The heat is on. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. $72 million. That's how much President Biden's reelection campaign raised in the second quarter of 2023, and more than twice as much as his leading criminal opponent on the Republican side. Apparently, when you oversee historic job numbers, booming manufacturing and infrastructure repair, lowering inflation, and the strongest ever international coalition of democratic forces to fight fascism, more than a few people want you to stay president. And it's not just Biden's fundraising that's scaring the living daylights out of Donald Trump. In a page out of his very intentional political candidacy as criminal impunity plan, Donald Trump is desperate to delay his classified documents trial beyond the 2024 election. This week, Jack Smith shredded Trump's frivolous kitchen sink attempts to delay his Florida trial indefinitely because it's just so unfair. Criminals should get to run for president uninterrupted, shouldn't they? Well, Smith called that out for the meritless plea that it is and told Judge Cannon why the public interest demands that this trial stay as scheduled with jury selection beginning in December. This, of course, as Jack Smith gets at the heart of Trump's criminal intent in his January 6th probe, this week we learned that the grand jury heard from Jared Kushner, Hope Hicks, and numerous secretaries of state. And of course, we all know it's not just Jack getting closer than ever to a January 6th indictment of Trump. Fonnie Willis has her grand jury impaneled in Fulton County. And this is looking like the end of his 70 plus year run as a flagrant criminal for Donald Trump. It's maybe been a little bit impressive for some other aspiring criminals, but I'm telling you the summer of 2023 is the end of it. There's no escaping the heat for Donald Trump now. And guess who else is getting that heat? Fox News. This time, it's from one of their own. On the heels of two multi-million dollar settlements, two-time Trump voter and avid Fox viewer Ray Epps sued the network this week for defamation. You know, when it suited Trump and his sycophants, they turned on Epps and tried to make him the scapegoat for their wildest January 6th conspiracies. Now, if you know me and you're a watcher of Lights On, you know I've lived my own version of being the scapegoat for their lies and their criminality. And I am telling you, let me reiterate my warning to Trump supporters. If you're watching, I hope you are. He will turn on you. They will turn on you whenever their interests conflict with your well-being and you will be thrown under the bus. Take me, take the whole spectrum of people who have been, whose lives have been turned upside down by this self-serving Donald Trump and his orbit. It's always the same result. Now, we've got some extraordinary things turning a page, go, extraordinary things going on in Hollywood, where my union, actually, SAG-AFTRA, has now joined writers on strike to demand an end to the rampant corporate greed and, do, and demand due respect for the artists that make it all possible. We're definitely going to shine a light on that and the plight of other artists around the world, lest we forget that what we will become if we ever let a Donald Trump anywhere near the White House again. I'm joined by such a special guest today. When I think of this person, I think of a bright, shining light. Pennsylvania State Representative Malcolm Ken Kenyatta, welcome to Lights On. 
Jess, I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now, I think some some avid Midas Touch viewers may remember how we met. I, I had a little bit of a, a fangirl moment when you popped up on screen with me last summer during the January 6th hearings. <laughs> there it is. Look how much my hair grew. Wow, thank you for this. <laughs> we both had some hair changes, but That's yeah. Right. You, such a huge fan of yours. So wonderful to have you back on. We were on hiatus last week and, uh, you know, some behind the scenes. We've been trying to get Malcolm set up and, and it, um, we had some technical difficulties last time. So grateful that it worked out this time and we have you now. You. So, I mean, what do you think? I, you know, I see these these fundraising numbers for Biden and I think this is the truth. Um, reflected that we do not see in the media narrative. I mean, we just, Biden does not get credit ever for his massive accomplishments, the massive success of this presidency. And these numbers have to say something about how much support there actually is for him. You know what? That is one of the things, uh, just you just really hit the nail on the head, that frustrates me to no end, that the accomplishments of this administration under the leadership of this president get treated uh, so often as wallpaper, um, as if anybody could have done it, or as if it's an accomplishment, but there's always a but. There is no but to this number. This is a massive uh, fundraising number that speaks not just to the power of uh, his ability to uh, consolidate some of the big Democratic donors. You look at over 90% of the donations under 200 bucks, average donation 39 bucks, the most massive list of any campaign in US history. And it is because of the accomplishments of this administration and because of the leadership and the vision that we see from, from, from this president, I am stunned um, that there are folks who still uh, count Joe Biden out. But I will tell you, you know, as somebody who endorsed him on the day he announced, um, I guess I'm used to it at this point, and I'm sure the president's used to it. Um, every time folks count him out, every time folks, you know, question um, this incredible team that he has built around him, they continue to do what people call impossible. The lowest um, unemployment numbers that we've seen in generations, the lowest for uh, Black Americans in American history. You talk about the inflation numbers that have continued to go down, and we are leading um, all uh, the G7 nations around the, the, the world in terms of bringing inflation down at the clip um, that we've seen, and also manufacturing, which for, for, for generations, and I, I know you remember this, Jess, so people saying man, you, manufacturing in the US, that's a thing of the past, it's dead, we'll never make anything here again. And not only are we making things here again, but we're making things that matter to saving our planet in terms of the explosion of clean energy vehicles, um, but also in terms of um, owning the technology of the future in terms of the semiconductor uh, plants that we're seeing popping off, um, including right here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. You know, I, of course, I was on the Trump campaign. I was firsthand witness to all the the 
totally empty promises of the Trump campaign. You know, he really, in places like Pennsylvania, he got so much support because there are so many people whose lives revolve around around manufacturing and industry. And he really, you know, he told everybody he was going to be America first, you know, produce mm -hmm. things here, bring back the American economy. He had infrastructure week like every week and yet nothing happened. And then Biden shows up gets a bipartisan infrastructure deal done. Republicans around the country who voted against it are out there bragging about the money that Joe Biden gave them for their That's communities. Um, we saw just, what was it last month, that like rocket fast reparation of the bridge, the I-95. I mean, this is just the efficiency of real effective leadership under Joe Biden, under Pete Buttigieg, under your extraordinary governor, Josh Shapiro, all of these good faith public servants really invested in American jobs and manufacturing infrastructure coming together. That's that's right. And in, and in your open, you, you, you touched on, you know, what happened in Vilnius. And I, I think, you know, I would really just reiterate something the president said before, um, you know, autocrats and thugs and bullies like Putin and like uh, and like Trump, um, they say it in different ways. But a part of what they do consistently is actually underestimate the American people and underestimate the 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 strength of our democracy. And I think all the things that you just listed, they prove that democracy can work. Yeah. That we can do big things together. And the reality is it's 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 tragic how few Republicans voted for the bipartisan infrastructure uh, bill. But at the end of the day, there are folks who are Democrats, Republicans, independents, Green Party, go down the list who are going to benefit from being able to drive on roads that are safe. Um, there's great research about the impact of bad roads and what it does to people's uh, cars, having to get replacements, having to fix their axles, all those different things. And that sounds like a bit of a non sequitur, but when you think about the fact that there are so many Americans who don't have 500, 600 bucks um, in their account for an emergency, like a, like a, like a pop tire, um, you know the impact of us moving up the ladder from where we are right now and in, in the teens in terms of the strength and the quality of our infrastructure compared around the world and moving us back in a place where we can not only you know compete but we can win and you saw it um at nato um, countries around the world democracies around the world they want america to be strong they want America to be that shining city on a hill, to be that example of what we can do when we allow working people to be centered in the policies um, that, that we advance. And that is what's been so special about this administration. Because when you talk about Bidenomics, which he did this incredible speech in Chicago, if folks didn't watch it, they really should go back and watch it. But he laid out his economic vision, and we've seen it in practice every single day. When you invest in workers and don't crap on workers, when you treat people with respect and dignity, pay them, train them, allow them to care for their families, that not only benefits the worker, but it benefits 
all the different work that they do throughout every segment of our economy. When we think about middle class families and folks who are striving to be in the middle class, working class and poor families who have so often got a raw deal and actually lift them up, we know what it means for our economy because working class families and middle class families, those are the folks that grow the economy by investing back in their neighborhood, by buying that car, um, by you know doing those repairs in their homes. Um, the list goes on and on. And so when we have an economic strategy that is focused on working people, focused on not just tolerating unions, but actually expanding the right to unionize on the job and standing with unions and working people when they have to go out on strike to demand the better pay and benefits that they're, that they're fighting for, then you have an economy that actually delivers, not just for the folks at the top, but delivers for everybody. Trickle-down economics has failed every single time. You don't have to take Malcolm's word for it. You just check the numbers. This president's economic record actually is what so many folks pretended Donald Trump's economic record was. His record actually meets the praise and meets the hype. And it matters for families who've been getting a raw deal for too long, who want somebody in the White House who's delivering for them. And that's why you see so many people saying, you know what, I don't have a big check like the folks who fund the super PACs for Trump, which he ultimately just spends on his legal bills. And I guess now he pays Melania for some <laughs> reasons. Uh, but, <laughs> but for the folks who say, you know, listen, I don't have big checks, but I have 39 bucks. Yeah. Those people are investing in this campaign because yeah. they see an administration that's investing in them. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful to see. And you know what? I when you talk about those the the wealthiest, the big t big donors, and I think about you know I kind of think about this in the context of the Trump support, like to the extent that that wealthy CEOs and people that benefited from the Trump tax breaks and you know Wall Street honchos and everything else, to the extent that they support someone like Donald Trump because they think he's in their best interest, I'm like, I hope that works out well for you you know let's let's see how the you know uh, money buying a ticket to heaven thing works out you know good luck with that but we're, we're seeing the, it not just with trump but also i'm sorry to cut you off but not just with trump but also with the stances um oh, yeah. you know even even if you are you know a, a a conservative who you know believes government should get out of the way of business even if that is a value you say you you share that is not what this current Republican Party believes. And it is, and it is, it's really, you know, tragic and sad um, in so many ways because if our democracy is going to thrive, and I think that our democracy has withstood um, so many assaults on it in a variety of different ways, um, people have to have faith in our leaders. And a part of that, that, that faith is eroded when our leaders use the power of the state to go after people. And so that's why I find it so ironic that the rallying cry of, you know, folks like Elon Musk and others are, you know, our free speech, you know, free enterprise. Well, this is the thing. Who you, who you like, DeSantis, come on. This is the thing. Everything that they accuse the other party of is what they are doing. It is exactly what they are doing. That's what, what I was starting to say is that, you know, I'll give up or at least I'll leave these uh, wealthy Trump supporters to themselves. But to the extent that he exploits and misleads 
struggling Americans, Americans that are actually benefiting from Joe Biden's presidency, who are inundated with defamation and slander about the Biden family on a daily basis and think that Joe Biden is their enemy. Um, you know, I'm I'm call me an optimist, but I'm never going to give up on them because this is sick. This is sick and twisted. Like this picture has to be made right. We saw this week with the unsealed indictment of Gal Luft, the so-called whistleblower for the comical and, you know, up is down House Republicans who are constantly trying to accuse uh, the Biden family and Democrats and the FBI and everybody else of everything that they are engaged in. This guy is indicted uh, as a Chinese spy, Iranian arms dealer. I mean, I cannot, I will never forget both from my work during uh, 2016 on the Trump campaign and just watching, you know, my continued just eye on Fox News as I began to wake up how much they use China as a foil. China, 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 China virus, China Joe, China Hunter. Well, guess who's really behind the Republican Party? Oh, it turns out it's the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party all along. <laughs> and, you know, by the way, shout out to I have some some friends on the back end who are do, do so much reporting on this. Shout out to Hark Herald Press. If you haven't heard of it, check it out. They are really ahead of the curve on reporting how how there are so many Chinese Communist Party actors. They're often disguised as dissidents. One of them is Gu Wengi, the indicted associate of Steve Bannon, who come out as these kind of, you know, pro-America, um, anti-CCP mm -hmm. actors. But the the what all evidence points to is the fact that they're really disguised as actors for the Chinese Communist Party. And these are the people that are, they're giving the source information to the Republicans to fuel their false and defamatory smear campaigns against our very effective president and his family. Yeah, you know, so, so often, you know, their, their accusations are really just admissions, um, you know, of what they've done or what they're thinking about or what they've, or what they've seen. And that, that, that cynicism and that, and that corruption um, seeps into all of the talking points that they push out. And all of it is a big distraction from the things that I know, you know, as somebody who, you know, wasn't born on third base and think they hit a home run like so many of these folks, um, I know that that's not what people actually care about. It's not the things that um, people are worried about when they tuck their kids in at night. People are asking the very similar question, whether you're here in Philly or you're in Michigan or you're in Arizona or you're in Georgia, um, it doesn't matter. Any of these swing states, you go to a swing county um, here in, in Pennsylvania. And what they're asking is how can we make Pennsylvania um, the best place to live, work, and retire. And that's true all across this, this nation. People want to know how they can make their communities um, communities of choice, places where they know they have opportunity and where they don't feel this tenuousness. And that is the truth of so many working families. You feel so tenuous all the time. Everything feels um, off kilter. And instead of offering solutions to that. It becomes about everything but the kitchen sink and no real ideas. And on the things that I hear every day as I travel around the Commonwealth, you know, frankly, my Republican colleagues do not have many good ideas 
to advance the ball, um, to make life better for these people. And so in lieu of those good ideas, um, they wanna tell you to look over there, let's talk about something else. But I say it often, if all a politician or political party can offer you is a list of who to hate, a list of who to blame, and then some marginalized group, I'll tell you, it's because they don't actually give a damn about you and they're not interested in solving the problems that you actually have. And we don't have time for bread and circuses. We need to actually advance people's security because at the end of the day, if you don't have an economy that works, if you don't have officials that people can trust, if constantly um, there is noise and nonsense that we have to treat as, as, as fact, that is a threat to a democratic republic. And it is a dangerous, dangerous uh, path that I'm seeing, you know, the Republican Party go down. I mean, this is really not your your dad's Republican Party. And I think people of, of courage and conscience, um, you know, are waking up. Folks who were on the campaign with you, people are waking up and recognize that, you know, this was not what they thought they were signing up for. And yeah. we as Democrats, you know, have a big ticket where, you know, frankly, listen, if you're against fascism, if you're for preserving our democracy. If you're for freedom, this is your home. That's right. The Democratic listen. Party is your home. <laughs> You've done, and you, Malcolm, you have done such a beautiful job of, of being that leader with courage and clarity, refusing to be silent and putting in the work. I mean, I watched you, even just on social media, I watched you put in the work in this last midterm election. You ran for, you ran in the primary for that Senate seat, but when you didn't get it, you, you did everything in your power across that state to help John Fetterman get elected, to help Josh Shapiro. I mean, you you know from of what you speak, you have put in the work, you are, your care is so evident. I mean, I just implore anybody who might be picking up on this podcast, who might be on the other side, look at someone like Malcolm Kenyatta. How could you possibly think that his intentions are bad? This is someone who has just devoted so much work to making your lives better. And I'll never forget what you said to me over the summer last year, because I was like, oh, my God, we got to get these fascists. And you're like, it's not just that we're going against the bad people. We have really good people on the Democratic side, really great people. We, 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 we do. And, and, and a part of what I think gets obscured be it the bipartisan infrastructure uh, bill, be it the CHIPS bill at the federal level, or I look at what we're doing um, here in Pennsylvania where Democrats um, took the House majority for the first time in over a decade. Um, I like to remind folks that 94.5% of the bills we have passed out of the House have been bipartisan. And that's not because we stuck our finger in the wind and said, you know, what's just the middle of what you want? We've advanced priorities that have been democratic priorities for a long time. We advanced legislation on, on gun safety. Um, we advanced, um, at least out of the house, a lot more to go, 
but a constitutional amendment to protect the right to organize. We advance tax credits for working families and for people trying to get access to childcare. Um, we passed the largest expansion in what we have here in Pennsylvania called the Rent and Mortgage Rebate Program. This is cash money, okay, that goes to seniors and folks living with disabilities to help people stay in their home. For the first time in 34 years, we expanded eligibility and increased um, grants for these programs. Um, we passed out of the Finance Committee a cost of living increase for um, state employees who are retired, for retired teachers. We passed the $2,500 tax credit for nurses, for cops, for teachers to recruit and retain them um, here in Pennsylvania. We passed an increase in the minimum wage. We passed my bill to um, protect uh, all members of our communities, including LGBTQ folks, um, by passing the Fairness Act. We passed the Crown Act. I mean, I have 136 substantive pieces of legislation that we have sent to the Senate on everything from my bill around cybersecurity and protecting people's personal information online to making it easier for seniors and veterans um, to get access to pres prescription drugs. And we have done that with Republican votes. The problem we have is that too many quote unquote, Republican leaders have forgotten what it means to lead. And what it means to lead at its core is you have to tell people the truth. You have to be honest with people. We can't continue to go down this rabbit hole where we are constantly misrepresenting and ginning up fake scandal after fake scandal after fake scandal. You know, I implore folks, we should fight just as hard for the stuff that we agree on as we do on the areas we disagree. And we can do that while advancing core democratic priorities because our priorities are the priorities of the American people. And we're not making it up, we're listening and then we're advancing the balls on the things that people asked us to do. Yeah, Pennsylvania, what you have done there is such a such a great example, both for the country of what is done, like that list you just went through when Democrats are put in power and the Democrats are work, working across the aisle. They are bringing they are forcing those Republican colleagues to just do the common sense, you know, public service and bills that everybody's going to benefit from. And also the fight that you put into getting that sweep in Pennsylvania where you took the legislature, you took the governor's mansion, you got the Senate seat and the attorney general. I mean, this is, um, I think, a model. I look at states, uh, Malcolm, like Pennsylvania, and I think I hope the Democratic Party is doing a case study on what you did <laughs> and applying it in even in states that they've taken for granted, like California and, uh, you know, New York, where some House seats definitely should have gone to them in 2022. And there was some great news out of New York with the redrawing of maps. So hopefully that's setting some things right there. But um, just just to to look at what you did in Pennsylvania as a model, both for how you can win elections if you put in the work and what you can accomplish when you get those Democrats in power, how good it actually is for the common welfare. Um, but, you know, it's you were talking. And, What's and that? I, just, I said it's 100% true. And I just yeah. want to say very briefly, because I think too often Pennsylvania, when people talk about Pennsylvania being a swing state, and it is in so many ways, and I think what that means to some people is that Pennsylvanians will only support somebody who 
doesn't believe anything is kind of everything for, for, for everybody. That's not necessarily true. Pennsylvanians are common sense uh, people. And you saw Democrats and Republicans um, coming together to say, we don't want to ban abortion. We don't want to ban books. We're not, we're not okay with this rampant anti-Semitism that so, um, so easily seems to be falling off the lips of too many politicians. We don't want to go down this, this, this road of, 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 of racism and tribalism. And it doesn't mean we don't have folks like Doug Mastriano who also live in Pennsylvania. They live here. They exist. But I do think that we do ourselves a disservice when we hold them up as the majority. They are not the majority. The same people who are protesting mass are the same people who show up to ban books. They're the same people who show up um, to, you know, harass um, folks who are going into Planned Parenthood. They're a very vocal, vocal minority. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we have evidence in that of that you know in so many ways the trump rallies even sometimes to this day get covered like even when they're half empty people seem to think that it's a showing that there's still so much support and it's the same people i know because i was at these rallies the same people following him around all over the country it's really sad it's really sad but speaking of you know all that you've done for working families i want to bring up these labor fights as i mentioned sag aftra just went on strike um with joining joining the writers um who have been on strike for quite some time now just demanding i mean the thing about the thing that's at the heart of this is that the industry the business model of the industry has just drastically changed and the studios do not want to do not want to rewrite the contracts they want to keep these actors on this tenuous you know oh we'll just you know we'll see how it goes thing instead of realizing oh my god these actors are not getting anywhere near the residuals that they used to be getting and we're not talking about the celebrities who make millions of dollars we're talking about you know the day players the background actors the people who are just trying to make a living and get health insurance um and who are the reason that the movies exist they would not exist without them and the studios don't want to rewrite their contracts to to accommodate this vastly changing media landscape that has gone so much from from syndication to streaming that is now um, threatening replacement of people with AI generated actors. Um, But I was so, I mean, so inspired by Fran Drescher, who's the president of SAG-AFTRA right now and what she said, if we can just play that clip of her from yesterday, Salty. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. So the jig is up, AMPTP. We stand tall. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. We are labor and we stand tall and we demand respect and to be honored for our contribution. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, just chills, chills. It, it, it is 
it's sick. It is sick. The greed and the inability to understand what is such a basic principle that all work has value and that all work needs to be valued and not just with folks' words. You know, I said that to, to, to my colleagues, I mentioned briefly that we did a COLA increase for, for retirees and we had not done this for 31 years, COLA increase. And I had colleagues who talked about, you know, use every excuse in the book on why we should not pay working people. But I never hear that same faux outrage when it's time to cut taxes for the wealthiest among us. I never hear the same outrage or care for the quote unquote, the economy. I remind people, the economy is people. It is yes. real people who are depending on us to not just give lip service, but to put them in a position to be treated with a level of dignity and respect. And yes, that goes for the actors that entertain us. So many of us made it through this pandemic being locked down because we were able to watch our favorite shows or be introduced um, to a character who opened up a new world um, you know, for us. And when you hear about the CEOs who are raking it in and then saying they have no money, to pay the people who make the shows? I mean, unbelievable. It's disgusting. It's so disgusting. It really is. Yeah. And I, you know, I, like I said, that's my union. I'm an actor. This is my, this is, this is, I'm an artist first and foremost. I'm playing, you know, political commentator because we need to, we need all hands on deck to save ourselves from that's fascism, right. <laughs> but, but that's you know, my heart. I am an artist, and you, what you said, the power of film, both to both to fill our moments of you know of despair and with happiness and joy and optimism and inspiration. I always think of the film industry and the movie industry as able to shine a light on things that we wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, we're doing a political podcast right now, Malcolm, but you know so many people are disengaged with politics. And how do you get to so many people that are disengaged with politics? You get to them through entertainment. And some of the most powerful movies to me have been movies that shined a light on social injustice or, you know, oppression around the world or just in in by connecting these larger societal issues to human stories that have humor and light and just, you know, film is in art is so important. It's so important. We can. And this is another thing that I have woken up to and, and been so sickened by is the rights attack. You know, we're talking about the greedy people at the top, but there has been so much attack from the right wing, from the Fox News on artists, on athletes, on people who put their heart and soul into, you know, these beautiful creative endeavors that fill all our lives, which with so much fulfillment, while all they can do is get on TV and lie to people every night for their massive paychecks. You know, I'm, it is time. It is, it is time for these artists to be respected. And I'm, I'm, I'm sickened that it's gotten to this point, but I'm proud. I voted for that strike authorization and I'm proud that they are taking this stand and um, standing with those writers. To stand, to stand with you. Um, and, I, and, I'm, and I just 
think right now of Audre Lorde, the great Audre Lorde, um, who wrote that poetry is not a luxury. We need art and artists right now more than we've ever needed them before. We need writers. We need the UPS workers. We need the folks at the uh, Post Post Gazette who are striking um, right now. These these writers, the Fourth Estate, who are speaking truth to power and doing the investigative uh, reporting. All of the folks who do this work. Um, these are not people who we can throw away. And if you are a worker anywhere, please know that you are not standing on that picket line alone. There are so many people who have your back. Absolutely. Speaking of having your back and keeping the lights on and standing up for workers, let's, uh, let's take a quick break for our sponsor, why don't we? This episode is sponsored by Lomi. What's better than growing fresh vegetables right in your own backyard with nutrients that came right out of your kitchen? Well, it's all possible thanks to Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. Plus, it's make, made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food rotting in the garbage and smelling up the kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I have much less trash to take out, and it's a hassle-free, mess-free experience. No leaking trash bags. And the best part is that my waste is being turned into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment and make my life easier. And all my food scraps, plant clippings, and even unwanted leftovers go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food right in my backyard. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. By reducing the amount of food I send to landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash lights and use the promo code lights to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash lights and use the promo code lights at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Turn your food waste into dirt with a press of a button with Lomi. Use the code lights to save $50 at Lomi.com slash lights. We've all heard the famous line, try it free for 30 days. Yeah, well, that's just enough time to try it and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for ones you don't use. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal financial app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscri subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them like that Stars app just to watch one show or that free gaming trial you never actually used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't wanna pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. 
Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lights on. That's rocketmoney.com slash lights on. Rocketmoney.com slash lights on. All right, Malcolm, I know your time is tight, but before we let you go, I want to mention two things. One, you are the subject of a wonderful documentary that I've heard about called Do Not Wait Your Turn. This is produced by Al Roker, and I think it's running the festival circuit right now. Am I right about that? It it is. We're just in two festivals in San Francisco. It's going to be in Texas, going to be in Florida. Um, We were just in the Roxbury Festival up in uh, Massachusetts. Um, So it's it's been all over. It started with our premiere in... uh, in London and, you know, has, has not stopped. <laughs> it's been busy. I love the subject of that because that's, that's the spirit I think behind your public service is just, just saying there's no time to wait. Don't wait your turn. Do it now. You are the example for what can be done and you're doing the work, Malcolm. And, and I know that you have another run and I want you to, I want to give you a minute before you go to tell us about what you're running for now in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so 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 thank thank you and Jess, thank you for this conversation. But I'm I'm running for Auditor General here in Pennsylvania, and very simply, the Auditor General's uh, job is to keep folks from getting screwed, to make sure that our tax dollars aren't being mismanaged or um, or, or stolen. But also, and this is probably more important, to make sure that programs are actually delivering the services that people depend on. You know, a lot of elected officials like to talk about making the trains run on time, but for that to be the case. There has to be somebody who stands at the train station and, you know, and says, hey, actually, the train did not come on time. Um, when they got here, the train wasn't clean and it wasn't um, fun or safe to ride. Um, people deserve somebody who's standing up for them. And I think it's time that we have a watchdog watching out for working people. Sounds wonderful. I would love to have Malcolm Kenyatta watching out for Pennsylvania. You've done a wonderful job up until now. And I'm so grateful that you joined me today. Thanks so much again. Anytime. Thank you to you and your team and can't wait to be with you again. Thanks, Malcolm. (laughs) So I really just want to spend the rest of the episode. um, We saw what a beautiful example um, Malcolm Kenyatta and his fellow Democrats have done in Pennsylvania to um, show what working for the people really looks like, what the fight against fascism can accomplish when we put Democrats in power in elected seats in state houses and state legislatures and the governor's mansion. Um, I just want to highlight some contrast. Malcolm talked a little bit about uh, Biden's work at NATO. And we, I think, are on a great track to reelect Joe Biden. And those those fundraising numbers are an excellent signal of that. But I don't think that we can afford for one second to forget about the threat that we po- that Trump poses should he ever get anywhere near the White House again and just keep our eyes on what that would look like. Um, because they are going to pull out all the stops to try to get that man in power again, if in any way possible. Um, I wanted to highlight just the contrast we're dealing, you know, on the show, I like to bring it 
around the world, bring this fight around the world and point out how what we're dealing with here is reflected in in the fight in Ukraine. It's it's reflected in the the fight of so many people fighting fascism around the world. Um, we have people out there on the republic in the Republican Party and launching third party bids saying that that, uh, you know, NATO got too close to Russia and that Russia might have a legitimate bid to Ukrainian territory and there has to be a compromise. This is such nonsense. And in contrast, we have the leadership of Biden, who this week was very clear after after the strengthening of NATO, Sweden becoming on track to become the 32nd member of NATO uh, after Turkey withdrawal, it withdrew its veto and Biden just just doing such a wonderful job on the world stage. He made this comment in contrast to um, the undemocratic forces that would support any kind of concessions to Russia. He made this very significant comment about Russia and the war. The answer is Putin's already lost the war. Putin has a real problem. How does he move from here? What does he do? And so the idea that there's going to be what vehicle is used, he could end the war tomorrow. He could just say, I'm out. But what agreement is ultimately reached depends upon Putin and uh, what he decides to do. But there, there is no possibility of him winning the war in Ukraine. He's already lost that war. That clarity from Joe Biden is what the free world needs to defeat fascism. The signaling from the leader of the free world that this fascist autocrat who has infringed upon a free country, a democratic Ukraine, has already lost is such an important signal and and a signal that Putin will, in fact, end this criminal war that he started in defeat. I mentioned earlier in the open that I wanted to highlight some artists around the world. And I think this is so important, lest we ever lose sight of the threat that someone like Donald Trump poses, that his fascist uh, allies in this country pose while they accuse others of violating free speech, while they cast these aspersions and distract and try to portray their democratic opponents as the people that they really are. Um, I want to shine a light on Belarus. I'm, this is always very close to my heart. Lukashenko, of course, a very close ally of Putin, although those uh, some factions have definitely been exposed recently in the in the situation with Prigozhin, and um, I think it just is <laughs> proof that these these dictators are at war with themselves, and we should always be aware of their weakness and the strength of of the people who are fighting from freedom and act on that strength. But some of those people who are so brave and have done that in countries like Belarus um, have have just endured the most um, unthinkable torture in prison, punishment, and in worst cases, death. And this week, another artist, a dissident artist in Belarus by the name of Alice Pushkin died in prison under unknown circumstances, unclear circumstances. His wife reported it. He was sentenced to five years in a high security prison on charges of, quote, rehabilitation of Nazism and, quote, abuse of state symbols in the fallout of the 2020 election that all, all evidence shows was stolen by Lukashenko um, to keep himself in power as a dictator. This is the same playbook 
of Donald Trump. This is the same playbook that Donald Trump is using to this day as he tries to delay his criminal trial to pull out every stop to really make the United States a banana republic. You know, he all, all, the people on the right always talk about deep state. The, the clowns in the, in the GOP caucus in the House are trying to portray the FBI as a deep state. Well, let me tell you something. There is one hell of a deep state waiting to take root if and when anyone like Donald Trump dares to get anywhere near the White House again. You have to look no further than the people that Donald Trump was putting in power after he lost the election in 2020. I know some of these people personally. I, they were the worst kinds of people that I interacted with on the 2016 Trump campaign, and they were put in very high positions, positions that they were never qualified for in the end of Donald Trump's term because he was installing people that would do his bidding without qualms. These are the kind of people that a Donald Trump will install in the presidency who will really assault free speech, who will really go after the freedoms of Americans and demand that they show allegiance to him. This is not, this is not hyperbole. This is the kind of world that Donald Trump is trying to create in America and was during his presidency and will again, God forbid he gets anywhere near the White House. It's just, it's kind of shocking and appalling that he is ever treated as a just normal political candidate running for president again. Every single time he's mentioned, it, the American people should be reminded about his dictator aspirations and how dangerous um, to all of us, to all of us, his presidency would be if he ever got there again. Look at Ray Epps. I mentioned him suing now Fox News for defamation. Him and his wife were forced to flee their Arizona home and are somewhere in hiding in the Rocky Mountains right now because their lives were turned upside down. Not because, not because they were against Donald Trump, but because they were a useful scapegoat to turn the attention, to take the criminal liability off of Donald Trump. They found somebody out there who said some things on January 6th that they could just latch onto and concoct a conspiracy theory out of. They tried to paint Ray Epps as an FBI informant. It's absolutely concocted. There's no truthful foundation to this allegation. Um, Donald Trump has mentioned his name in rallies. Tucker Carlson then took took this on and pressed and pressed. Abby Grossberg, who just got her own settlement for $12 million from Fox News, has spoken about how D Tucker Carlson tried to lead um, her down this rabbit hole. And Ray Epps attorneys were calling her back saying this is nonsense. Stop doing this. And yet he perpetuated it because this is this is their only tactic to accuse others of what they are guilty of themselves, to find scapegoats, and they will find those scapegoats among their own. This is a death cult. You have people like the mother of Ashley Babbitt who comes out, God help this woman, in these public appearances, still towing the line for Donald Trump when Donald Trump literally sent her daughter to death. Donald Trump killed your daughter, ma'am. Wake up. Turn against him. 
Anyway, I'm so happy to have the opportunity every week to shine these lights, to share this platform with you. I know we were on break last week and I missed you so much. And I'm so happy that uh, we're back together this week and um, shining a light. I want to thank Malcolm Kenyatta, my wonderful guest. Please go to MalcolmKenyatta.com and follow his bid for Auditor General if you're in the state of Pennsylvania. Also, if you are a luminary and a viewer or listener of our show, please help us by subscribing on audio. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribing to the Midas Touch YouTube channel and to my YouTube channel, Jessica Denson, if you're listening on audio. It's the best way. It's easy. It's free to spread the light and spread the news about Lights On. And um, in contrast to the 70 million that Biden raised, the Trump campaign raised 35 million. Um, I've been the David fighting the Goliath of this Trump campaign since 2017 and winning. And we need your help to continue that fight. So if you're able, as always, um, it would be wonderful to uh, get your support at thejessicadenson.com slash donate, thejessicadenson.com slash donate. We are holding this Trump campaign accountable and we are not going anywhere. And thanks to you, we have um, the support that we need. And I thank you so much for that. As always, I love spending this hour with you and wish you a wonderful weekend and we will see you next week.